Welcome back, everybody, to the Luke Beasley Show. It is great to be with you on this Monday. And once again, to start the week, I have Josiah from the Pondering Politics YouTube channel. Thanks for being here. Appreciate the invitation, Lucas. I'm excited to get into it. Mm, we have the correct energy, I gotta say. I'm feeling really good today. I think you are as well. And quite the week ahead of us, a quick, uh, what do you call it, housekeeping note. I will be attending the Tuesday Trump arrests in Miami. So look forward to some wild content from that, talking to supporters, of course, and maybe um, people protesting against Trump, for Trump, all of it going to be fascinating and possibly uh, concerning. But we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a very in. real risk. <laughs> yeah, always. Donald Trump spoke in Georgia at the Georgia GOP convention and as always it was wild and this is of course right after he got the news and we all got the news or at least a couple days after that he has been indicted federally on 37 felony counts i think 38 counts total um due to his mishandling of classified documents importantly obstruction and lying to authorities um violating the espionage act so many wild wild details i do encourage everyone um to read the unsealed indictment a lot of people talking about it especially in the right wing clearly haven't read it because they're pretending it's all witch hunt when obviously the evidence is there for trump uh doing the things that he's being accused of but with that being said let's jump into this first clip but you gotta watch that you gotta watch it we're all gonna be watching it as president all of my documents fell under what is known as the presidential records act which is not at all a criminal act everything it's all judged by the Presidential Records Act. In this whole fake indictment, they don't even once mention the Presidential Records Act, which is really the ruling act, which this case falls under 100% because they want to use something called the Espionage Act. Doesn't that sound terrible? Oh, espionage. We got a box. I got a box. The Espionage. The Espionage Act of 1917. I think it was put in there about World War One boxes. And by the way, Biden's got 1,850 boxes. He's got boxes in Chinatown, D.C. All right, so the normal talking point there, the whataboutism. But Josiah, it's funny, and by the way, we have many more clips to look at um, in a bit. He has kind of just settled on, I'm not going to argue against the evidence. I'm not going to even address the evidence. I'm just sort of going to say, Nah, my interpretation of the law says I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's a, it's important to remember that Donald Trump is not like a practicing attorney or anything like that. And his relationship with the law is just breaking it very cavalierly. And then his lawyers scrambling behind him to try to clean up the mess. Yeah, even like the idea that even how he scoffs at the word espionage, oh, espionage, you know, it's just no big deal. Like uh, it's incredibly important. And there's no amount of cope in the world that will let you sweep that word under the rug especially when you may very well have been complicit in it and i don't understand i guess i do it's called dishonesty but if i were trying to take everyone's word at face value and think everyone was honest which obviously is not true um then i i wouldn't be able to understand how on earth these takes can be coming from again the unsealed indictment from the actual evidence there's no way you can perceive this as an honest person as some political witch hunt because of the stack of audio recordings and photographs, documentations of all different kinds, uh, text message communications, testimony from his own lawyers about all of what was going on, a clear effort by Trump to 
effectively not probably purposely break the law just for the, the sake of it, but he was breaking laws because he wanted to keep these documents, show certain details to people um, when absolutely he shouldn't do that. And within all of it, he's realizing this is classified sensitive material that I'm not really supposed to be showing anyone. All of this documented evidence. And so instead they just don't even address that, pretend it doesn't exist and go, oh, it's terrible. They just hate Trump. Yeah, so if, if, like you said, if you read the indictments, 49 pages long, which I know might sound intimidating, but relatively speaking, that's a fairly short legal political document, and it's a narrative indictment. So the way it's written is is written for lay people like us or political commentators, people who are not attorneys, uh, people who basically – um, don't have that legal background. And Jack Smith and his team lay it out point by point by point. And then when they make a claim, like on line 23 or whatever, then you have A, B, C, and D right under it in terms of citation. It's there written in plain English, um, easily digestible. And multiple times, you know, throughout the course of the document, Trump admits that he has documents that he did not declassify and that he can no longer declassify and that are secret and confidential and he can't show. And then he'll follow it up with, but look at it anyway. <laughs> just like, you know, I can't do this. This is really wrong, but also, Hey, look, this. here you go. It's absolutely absurd. And as the crowd's laughing along, Oh, it's a box. It's multiple boxes. First of all, to be accurate, but Oh, it's just about a box. The espionage act. And they're all laughing, laughing, laughing. Keep on laughing when you get put into prison, Trump. <laughs> That's right. Clip. When you're wearing a suit as orange as your face, Mr. Mm. President. <laughs> and to further deter illegal immigration, I will sign a day one executive executive order. We're going to do an executive order day one. So important. Ending automatic citizenship for children of illegal aliens. executive order um but more importantly aside from the glitch he's just saying i'm gonna try to through an executive order or executive Ex ex executive or whatever i can't <laughs> we can't even butcher it the way he did he butchered it so uniquely he's just proudly and getting cheered saying i'm going to violate the constitution with an executive order because what he's talking about there is getting rid of birthright citizenship where if you're born on u.s soil even if your parents are undocumented immigrants you still um are a citizen of the united states birthright citizenship comes from the 14th amendment a part of our constitution and he's saying i'm getting rid of that yeah it's so, it's so interesting because you know I find that people in the modern conservative movement have a very unique and abusive relationship with the United States Constitution <laughs> because they profess to love it above all else. It's almost like a divine document to them, except when it's not right, except right. when it comes into conflict with Trump. So when whenever a Democratic president issued executive or ex, ex, executive, 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 Exe order, yeah, yeah, executive, when whenever a Democratic president would issue an executive order, uh, Republicans and conservatives threw their hands up in the air. How dare you? This is authoritarian. It's fascist. It's tyrannical. And now you have the Republican frontrunner, the former president of the United States, a man who may very well yet be president of the United States again, saying that with the single stroke of his pen, an executive order, he's going to overturn the Constitution. Um, and by the way, not only is that just legally laughable and authoritarian as all get out, it's also really cruel. Like you're targeting children. Um, the whole point mm. behind that, that birthright citizenship or one of it was it was supposed to be an act of compassion in part as well, because this idea that, you know, the United States, at least 
in principle, is supposed to be accepting of all people. It's a melting pot. And if people come across the United States and have children here, the idea is the United States is so welcoming, again, in principle, um, that we want those children to be officially considered U.S. citizens. And out of just abject cruelty for no purpose other than to punish immigrants, he wants to try to revoke that. It's, it's just it's wrong on like three or four different levels. And you would be saying and setting up a situation where an individual could be born. This is their home. This is everything they've ever known. And then the law would require that our government deport them, deport them to a country that's not their home. This is where they're born. This is their home. This is everything they know. Um, really cruel. Next clip here on Pence. 59. The sanctimonious is at 13. Pence is at six. But Pence has gone down since his last, sadly, because he's a nice person. He's trying to get nasty, though, so we may have to fight a different way. All of a sudden, you notice that? It's, all of a sudden, you get a little bit nasty, Mike. A little bit nasty as in finally, now that he's announced his run for president, he's actually speaking out sort of at the intensity, not even, that you should if you were an individual who served alongside a president who tried to do a coup and tried to pressure you into going along that coup, and then whenever you didn't, sicked a mob on you. And Pence has sort of been critical of Trump in past uh, years since January 6th, and now is being a little bit more, which good, but still not enough, and that's nasty to Trump. Yeah, so so Mike Pence is someone that uh, I think uh, from moderates and certain elements of the left gets an undue amount of respect for the decision that he made on January 6th to not try to overturn the overthrow the government and overturn an election unilaterally. Very low bar. Don't give you much credit for for doing that. Um, but even in terms of his campaign, Pence is doing like many other Republican challengers to Trump trying to walk these like he's trying to have a foot in both worlds simultaneously where he's trying to avoid a confrontation with trump trying to avoid outright criticism of trump while also at the same time having to distinguish himself from trump in the primary and so he'll do things like run an anti-trump attack ad which was really called him weak repeatedly mm -hmm. weak 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 the word that trump hates above all else but ironically the word that describes him best almost yep. um and then he'll do that on one day and then the next day go before a CNN town hall and complain that Trump is being prosecuted or indicted because yet yeah, we have the rule of law and nobody is above the law. <laughs> but it's really divisive to prosecute a former president. And then when the CNN town hall host, I think it might have been Jake Tapper or Caitlin Collins. I can't remember. They were like, but wait a minute. You just said that nobody's above the law. Wouldn't that include a former president? And then you can see Pence like visibly like freak out. Uh, well, well, he it's like Schrodinger's law. It's like he he is above the law, but he's not at the same time. It's this bizarre thing. And so for Trump to say Pence is getting nasty, is he like maybe occasionally he's calling you weak? But then Trump, you should be grateful because then he'll follow it up with something very obsequious the next day. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. That moment from the Mike Pence CNN town hall, so humiliating. And I was in pain watching it because he goes, oh, gosh, oh, and his little, I've said he's a made-in-the-lab politician that's just, or a, a politician machine spit him out, and it's just so boring and so um, artificial. He goes, listen, Dana, no one's above the law. But <laughs> he goes on to say that Trump shouldn't be held accountable, and it's just, it, it's so 
it looks bad for our country. No, no, no. See, as I said when I covered that video, it looks bad for our country that Trump committed the crimes that he did. It looks slightly better that he's actually being held accountable. It makes the fact that we had a former president who, while he was president and after, did the things that he did a little bit less bad that at least the system's doing what it should in holding him accountable. It would look much worse if both we had that president and that former president who did the things he did, violated the law in the way that he did, and then wasn't held accountable. That's what would look bad. That Mike would be Pence. profoundly embarrassing. That's the real banana republic stuff. Yes. This idea that if you have a political climate that creates these sort of bad faith politicians who so flagrantly violate the law and norms and institutions, um, that's that is embarrassing. That is a black mark on on the the face of your republic. But then you would allow it to fester and become necrotic if at the same time the rule of law, which you profess is above all others, above all politicians, above all policies, the rule of law, constitution, if you don't have any sort of accountability. And, and I've mentioned this before in conversations I've had with you offline, and I've mentioned it in my own videos. It's so interesting to contrast the approach that the relatively, I don't say lethargic, but the slow pace, may, perhaps you would say methodical, but it's certainly been relatively slow. It's not been rushed. The pace at which the Justice Department here in the United States has pursued uh, potentially indicting Trump, which they have now, compared to Brazil. Brazil, I love how they have responded to the uh, you know Bolsonaro attempted uh, insurrection uh, at the beginning of January where it was essentially their version of January 6th, they've already, this it's been five months, they've fired people, people are under investigation, they've overhauled aspects of the military, the Supreme Court's involved, Bolsonaro himself is under investigation. It's being far more robust. So to your point, Luke, not only are we obligated to hold Trump accountable, I think other countries, even after all this, may say, you know what, United States, you in fact were too generous to the mm. insurrectionists and the, the political minds behind it. You were too methodical, too lethargic. You should have, it would have been better to have been more robust uh, and, and more expedient in your pursuit. I think that that might be a criticism that this country gets, you know, five, 10 years down the road. And because they're constantly, I agree with you on everything you just said there, because they're constantly bringing up Hillary within the context of these conversations for some reason and Biden and all of that, um, even though the situations don't even compare, but let's, Play that out. Imagine if Hillary Clinton had nuclear capability documents that she mishandled like this. The right wing would have exploded and would still be exploding to this day about it. Um, but we'll end with Trump on a very hopeful note saying this. And right down on the sidewalk, everybody's being murdered and beat up and mugged. We're not going to let it happen. Thank you very much, everybody. It's a great honor to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Everyone's being murdered. Thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> That's it. And by the way, um, and you can close with it, Josiah, uh, on this, this speech, you mentioned during a recent video, very aptly, I might say, um, oh, no, you frozen on us. Josiah. Yes, I froze. I froze. No. All good. If you come back in, It'll be good. One of the things Josiah, while he's getting it back up and running, um, mentioned in a past segment is actually, as we enter into this year, we're seeing predictions of, expectations of, there you are, you're back, um, 
a sharp decline in crime based on the early indications uh, and statistics we have as of now. And it could be a historic drop in crime after, admittedly, a rise nationwide in red and, air and blue areas because of the conditions that the pandemic caused and the economic downturn and all of that. But now we might see under Biden's watch a very sharp decline. Yeah. I, so interesting. So the, the first thing is, like you said, and I did cover this in a previous video, that the, the alleged facts that Trump is citing are simply not true. Preliminary data from the first five months of the year show um particularly with violent crime, particularly murder, we are seeing a, a, a potentially historic level of decline, number one. So he's wrong on the facts, but it's Trump. We always expect him to be wrong on the facts. He is anti-fact. But what? why on earth, how on earth, just rhetorically speaking, like why do you end a speech that way? <laughs> like I don't, uh, you're supposed to end a, you know how most presidents or former presidents end speeches, political speeches, God bless you and God bless the United States. I wonder if now that's going to be like the ending, like the, the conclusion to every presidential speech in the future. Um, everybody's being beaten up. Everyone's being murdered. Good night. Thank you very much. <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> well, speaking of bizarre Trump speeches, Lucas, uh, he also spoke in North Carolina, as you may or may not know. And uh, it just it becomes increasingly clear that that Trump's derangement, you know, people talk about Trump derangement syndrome. I think the real Trump derangement syndrome is the derangement syndrome that Trump himself suffers. And it's only getting worse, especially since these indictments um, have come through. Uh, I imagine it will be much worse after uh, you visit the former president uh, this coming Tuesday uh, to see him off as he's arraigned. But I want to play a couple of clips uh, from his speech in New Jersey, or excuse me, North Carolina. <laughs> New and, in New Jersey. <laughs> He'll eventually do one there, okay? Don't laugh at me. He will speak in New Jersey eventually. But here's uh, what the president has to say in a couple of clips in Greensboro, North Carolina. Such a big, big business, such a powerful business, and such an important business. New England has a liberal tint, but or taint. I would say taint is a better word, actually. But it, it's uh, a little bit on the liberal side, they say. No comment on that one. <laughs> Just to kind of get us, get us loose, get us into the conversation. Yeah, I, I, that's what I mean when his derangement, like, what do you even say to that? That was such a rant. He always does these weird asides and like will focus on these like very specific words and then like repeat them, on, like almost like he's teasing them out, like taint, tint, taint. He's thinking tint. about yeah. it on, on, live yeah. on stage. <laughs> he's, he's workshopping it in real time and his crowd yeah. is eating it up. Here is another clip. I was a very good student at the Wharton School of Finance. Can you imagine? I wonder if they're proud of me. I got indicted. I wonder if they're saying, oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> I've been indicted twice now in a couple of months. You know, when I was studying and when I was uh, a very, very successful businessman, and then I did The Apprentice and I did lots of books that were big, 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 big sellers. Even now I have books that are tremendous sellers. I never had... I never had this stuff in mind. I never had the word indictment. What's indictment mean? Sir, that's when you're extremely dishonest, sir. No, these people are con men. And we have deranged people running it. Indictment doesn't mean when you're extremely dishonest. That's not what that word means. <laughs> Being extremely dishonest might cause you to be indicted. Right. But yeah, there... I love when he does that too. He Multiple times he's gone... 
you know, before I got into politics, because the point he's trying to make is it's just because I'm in politics that I'm um, being gone after like this. But it doesn't make you look good when you go, listen, before I got into politics, I didn't even know what the word indicted means. That's yeah. strange. You probably should. Yeah. As a, as a, you know, the son of a real estate mogul, you know, a billionaire in New York. And I mean, with all the legal uh, entanglements he's been in, I heard a statistic and I don't want to misquote it, but he's been, he's apparently been named in thousands of civil suits. So, I mean, this man for all intents and purposes should have an encyclopedic knowledge of the law at this point at his age with all of his legal entanglements, but he doesn't. But yeah, setting aside the fact that he butchered the definition of indictment, just Again, like, no, I imagine the Wharton School of Finance is not proud of you, Mr. President. They're probably like, can we please just like knock his name off like the roster? A hundred percent. I mean, and I would also add that for a man who is apparently such a uh, a well-schooled financial guru, I can't help the fact that the, the fact that, you know, he's had to file bankruptcy so many times. He added eight trillion dollars to the the debt, left office with a, you know, an economic disaster. Yeah, I imagine between that and your various character faults, uh, the Wharton School of Economics is uh, or Wharton School of uh, Finance is not particularly proud of you, Mr. President. Agreed. So, so we got another clip. Let's hear some more. But we can stop them cold, and we will. And we would have had them stop cold, and they know that. And they cheated like dogs. They cheated like nobody's ever cheated before. You turn on your television at 10 o'clock, you would have said Pennsylvania's a lock. We were up by so much, a lock. All of a sudden, you see that big fat dump, that big dump at 302 or whatever it was in the morning. It's a disgrace what happened. <laughs> why? <laughs> I don't get I don't, it. I don't know why he's talking about th dumps at 3 a.m. And also, <laughs> he said they che his relationship with dogs is very concerning. <laughs> he said they, they cheat? cheated like dogs. Is that a thing? Do dogs cheat? And he'll always say... So many things strange about everything, dogs. A do you're, no, you're right. Everything does a dog. They cheat like dogs. They, you know, they run their mouths like dogs. Mm. They walk like dogs. Everything is like a dog. Every they file paperwork like a dog. <laughs> like a dog. What, you, I don't understand. Like he has never. What did a dog do to you, Don? <laughs> yeah, like, are you a cat person? And this is your way. Like, it's okay to just say you prefer cats. It's fine. I. It's so bizarre so ridiculous and on, it, yeah sorry no please go ahead i was just gonna say on the merits of or lack thereof of the point that he made he once again can't get his head around the fact that sometimes it looks like early in an election night based on which votes got counted when it looks like you're ahead and then guess what you count more votes and sometimes you don't end up winning that's happened in both directions countless times and one of the reasons that that happened very dramatically in this particular election is because you before the election even happened started lying about mail-in voting and saying we shouldn't vote by mail it's horrible it's fraudulent so a lot of your voters didn't vote by mail and more democrats were comfortable during a pandemic voting by mail so then when the mail-in ballots got counted it was more going in the direction of democrats you're yet to prove widespread fraud but that doesn't matter to trump well so so it goes back to and I've complained about this before, and I think you and I have complained about this offline, as we are probably destined to do for the rest of our lives, or at least as long as this man is in our lives. And that is, it seems like MAGA doesn't understand how time works. It seems like Trump doesn't understand how time works. Like, so you have a point in time, and then time comes after that. You know what I mean? Like, so like if something is going on at 1 p.m., something else, like that situation may very well change at 1.30 p.m., or 5.45 p.m., or 11.26 p.m., 
this idea that you can arbitrarily pick a point in time, which, by the way, wasn't the voting deadline. Right. So it's not like he and and you just stop the clock here. Time must stop here because whatever's going on at this particular time is something that favors me. And so if 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 I'm up in the, the the votes at, you know, this point in time, we just arbitrarily I decide that we can't count past it. It's absurd. And to your point about the about the fact that Trump single handedly depressed voter turnout for his own side, it's absolutely true. As a matter of fact, um, to whatever extent this matters, Ron DeSantis, who is very reluctant to take shots at Donald Trump um, in terms of criticism, he's getting a bit bolder, but for the most part, he's as tepid and obsequious as the rest. Even he said to Ben Shapiro uh, during a uh, an interview a couple of weeks ago, he said, you know, I personally disagree with uh, a lot of the pandemic era accommodations, but he was like it was absolutely foolish of Trump to not to try to encourage conservative voters in red and blue states to avail themselves of those accommodations. And that's the thing that drives me nuts about when conservatives complain about the the voting processes that Democrats want, the voting processes that Democrats want would make it easier for conservatives to vote. It's not just favoring Democrats. You know who can avail themselves of mail-in voting, absentee ballots, quote unquote ballot harvesting, all these things? Conservatives in red and blue states, Luke. That's the yep. thing. What they really what, what they're it's what they're so upset about is the idea that maximum voter turnout We'll get more Democrats out there. Yeah, that, that Democrats are just more popular. That's the only thing they're upset about. And what does that say about your policy? Not anyone else's fault. Your policy agenda that the only way you can conceive of winning an election is making it really hard for certain populations of people to vote. And you know, as we've heard now, an audio recording from some Republican strategists acknowledging this about college students and countless other GOP individuals recognizing that you will lose. If you make it really easy to vote, not because there's a bunch of fraud, but because when we actually hear the voice of the American people at large and effectively and make it easy for a lot of people to make their voice heard, we hear resoundingly the fact that we are a more left of center country. We do want actual policies that benefit our lives and not just tax cuts for those at the top of the economic ladder. It is wild that they'll accept the knowledge and not try to change their policy agenda that if we let it be really easy to vote we're never going to win because then a bunch of people who don't like us will be able to vote yeah they there there are two broad options before them in terms of like playing politics within reasonable good faith that is change your policy or at the very least change your rhetoric i mean ideally you would do both right they won't do either they like like i agree with you you would think that okay Maybe we should modify our policy um, in in ways that make them more popular. But if you're if you're reluctant for whatever reason to do that, just on principle, no, I refuse to, uh, you know, move to a more progressive tax system. I want tax cuts for the rich. Then, at the very least, improve your rhetoric on it to try to win people over. And we'll- you can do that. What do you think is going to happen? Your entire policy agenda, historically, and as we're seeing currently, um, or we just did with Trump's agenda, um, more in the modern era. It is constantly the GOP agenda to assist in making the wealthy more wealthy and the powerful more powerful. And then you attach that to rhetoric that demonizes every single population of people other than like one. (laughs) Why do you think you're going to win elections with that? All your rhetoric uh, focuses on is we hate woke and we really hate LGBTQ people. And then your uh, policy agenda doesn't benefit the lives of many people. Why do you think you would be voted for? 
And that's, you don't, you think you have to make it really restrictive for a lot of populations. See, uh, of you say that, you say that Lucas, but you haven't thought about gas stoves. And what about the shoes that the green M&M has worn? What about those, Luke? What about those, Luke? What are your answers to that, Luke? Sure, you're like, listen, the tax policy, the health care policy, all these things, they're terrible under Republicans. But have you thought about M&M shoes? Have you thought about mermaids? Have you thought about these things? And again, I have to say, this isn't even just Josiah and uh, myself being uh, biased libs. The economy objectively does better under Democratic administrations and they're still fis more fiscally responsible as the GOP says that they are while overseeing a better economic reality. And also the policies happen to be directed toward benefiting the lives far from perfect, but uh, of working Americans. So then it has to be a distraction, like you said, with the shoes of, of M&Ms. You can well, go to the next clip. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> so we, we, we invoke the name of Ron, Ron, wrong. You know, oh my God, why doesn't he call him wrong? Instead of Ron, wrong to Sanctus, wrong to listen. We, oh my gosh, we should, we need to write this down and pitch it to somebody. Wrong to Sanctus, yeah. So we invoked his name, and uh, naturally, we have to play a clip from again the Greensboro, North Carolina speech from former President Trump, in which he too mentions Ron to Sanctus. We're leading Ron to Sanctimonious by. 56, 69% for Trump, 13% for DeSanctus, and Pence has six. You know, once you get used to saying DeSanctus, it's hard to say DeSantis. I was actually being interviewed, and I was trying to be serious, and I called him DeSanctus. I said, that's not good, but he's changing his name. You know, now it's DeSantis. And I put a little message out, never change your name in the middle of a campaign. You don't change your name in the middle of a campaign. It's sort of true that uh, sometimes I'll be like Ron DeSantis because of how many times I've heard Trump say Sanctus. And it uh, reminds me of Truth Social. I'll have a hard time sometimes not going Truth Essential because of Trump's mistake. You're, no, you're not wrong. It's funny. He That was actually a fairly salient point that you... I, even I did it right when I was teasing that clip. I meant to call him Ron DeSantis, and I called him Wrong DeSantis and said, mm. "Like, I listen. People have said for the longest time that Trump is an expert brander, and some of it I didn't get. Like, crooked Hillary is just not like it's not rhetorically clever to me. You know what I mean? It's not like a pun. It's not. It doesn't rhyme. But it stuck with people. And I guess I'm ha I'm gonna have to concede Trump's brilliance in this respect because he's he's gotten to me now too. I I also struggle to say the name of the governor in Florida. But I don't so. even know. At least crooked Hillary was supposed to make people think that she was crooked. I don't know what sanctus is supposed to make me think about Ron Sanctimonious. <laughs> See, you did, you did it. He's he's got us. I he's guess, in here. I guess it's because I was gonna make the point, but my brain lapsed and forgot to make it. That he also calls him Ron Sanctimonious. That does at least have you know Sanctimonious being attached to it. Well, that I, was I, strange. No, it's not strange. He has he has hacked us. He's, He's hacking our brain. It's true. He, there's like synapses misfiring now. But the other one that I heard in the aftermath of the um, the really terrible Twitter Space campaign launch was Ron Disaster. Now that one is <laughs> that one makes sense. That one's clever because even sanctimonious you know i i guess it kind of applies to 
DeSantis, but mm-hmm. like even then, I'm having to truly like spend an extra 0.7 seconds articulating his name. Trump has ruined Ron DeSantis's name. It's 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 terrible. And I guarantee point, you. He, he, sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> the other point he made was uh, the DeSantis DeSantis thing, which was just so strange. Why is pick one, Ron? Well, why are you switching back and forth? It's so strange. Never no. agreed with trump like this this is i feel weird I it, it it feels it feels dirty doesn't it, it doesn't feel it right dirty. at all yeah so we've got one other clip i want to play from the uh, greensboro north carolina speech um and uh just without further ado very transgender insanity and other inappropriate racial sexual or political content on our children It's amazing how strongly people feel about that. You see, I'm talking about cutting taxes. People go like that. Talking about, I talk about transgender. Everyone goes crazy. Who would have thought five years ago you didn't know what the hell it was? But one. Maybe you didn't. Yikes, five years ago. Um, that clip is so interesting to me because, and actually, Aaron Rupar highlighted that clip. For us, and he wrote on Twitter as the description Trump notes his crowd is more enthused about bigotry than they are for tax cuts. And it's exactly right. As many people have noted, at all these speeches, not even just Trump, all these Republican figures, they'll talk about all these different things freedom and liberty and tax cuts, and it's okay, okay. And then they start being bigoted against trans people, and it's, yeah, whoa. And it shows you, while, as we talked about previously, Josiah and I don't understand how you could be distracted by all the things that uh, the GOP tries to make the focus and the obsession so they don't have to answer for why their policies aren't beneficial to the lives of their constituents. A lot of people do get so caught up in and then vote for people who work against their own interests because of how caught up uh, with they are. Hatred for people. And that is... As Trump noted, so much more important to a lot of his followers than his tax cuts or than any of the other things he talks about. Yeah, there again, I mean, like hearing you articulate this, it's something where in a really cynical, sleazy way, Trump has. So there was a political commentator who said something to the effect of that, you know, even to this day, Donald Trump understands the 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 animus of the Republican Party better than any lifelong Republican, better than any Republican politician. I think that's true. Like there are smarter, shrewder, um, more sophisticated Republican politicians out there who are clever in ways that Donald Trump would never be. But in terms of understanding their own base, like I think Donald Trump understands the Republican base better than Mitch McConnell has ever, uh, at least in terms of the modern GOP. And this is something that is intensely frustrating because you know, if you study political science, you know, most political scientists agree that the rational, so-called rational voter and the rational actor theory of decision making doesn't nearly manifest itself in politics to the rate that people wish it did. And I hate to say this because, of course, irrationality can manifest in any point of the political spectrum, including on the left, including in the Democratic Party. Certainly we're not above that. But when I look at data is data. Facts are facts. And you look at the facts and it's overwhelming. You take the top 10 poorest, least healthy 
uh, most reliant on federal subsidies, least educated states in the country, like seven out of 10 are Republican run states. Or more, and, yeah. Yeah, and and so it's like, the proof is in the pudding. Republican policies don't just hurt the trans community, don't just hurt women, don't just hurt you know um, children or the welfare state or whatever. They hurt Republican voters. And it's not rational to be so consumed about uh, a trans athlete than it is about your own pocketbook. And odds are, if you were really voting, what, to whatever extent you harbor awful, bigoted feelings about marginalized groups, which you shouldn't, at the very least, if you're going to do that, you should be more concerned with your own self-interest than your hatred of others. It makes absolutely no sense. The very definition of cutting your nose off to spite your face. And it's nothing new. I want to I want to emphasize this. That is something that predated Trump because Republican policies have been bad for Republican run states and the country for decades. It is predates Trump. Trump has just recognized it and realized, listen, if we're going to compete policy to policy, we'll lose. If we are going for the optimum maximum voter turnout, we lose. He's publicly said these things, that Democrats are better for the economy, that if we have maximum voter turnout, Republicans will lose elections. He said all of this. He's been very transparent. He understands the only way to win is to crush the, the culture war game, to blow it up, to make sure you win to feed into grievance politics. And that's why, despite his record and despite the record of his policy, he's going to do reasonably well uh, in the next election, I think, even with all this. Really upsetting and terrifying. Um, we started the show today talking about Trump's speech at the GOP convention in Georgia. Someone else spoke at that GOP convention in Georgia, was a headliner, Carrie Lake. Why? Why is she speaking at the Georgia GOP convention when she's just prominent because she lost an election? I don't know. But here's one of the moments from the speech. Message tonight from Merrick Garland and Jack Smith and Joe Biden and the guys back there in the fake news media. You should listen up as well. This one's for you. If you want to get to President Trump, you're going to have to go through me and you're gonna to have to go through 75 million Americans just like me. And I'm gonna tell you, yep, most of us are card-carrying members of the NRA. That's not a threat, that's a public service announcement. No, but see, that is a threat. When you say you're going to have to go through us and we have firearms, why? Why are you bringing up firearms within this? Why are you bringing up that you're in the NRA with firearms? To make the point that violence might be necessary. That's what she's saying there. Deranged and dangerous. And apparently, as I mentioned, uh, kind of introducing this clip, who, who is she? Why is she so prominent? Because she ran for something, lost, and then claimed that she won. So now you can just say the most provocative things possible within the GOP, run for something, lose, and pretend that you won, and that can make you a star who's getting invited to all these different uh, events as this prominent figure. And then as she's continuing trying to create this brand of, uh, what do you have to do to stay relevant? Say something like that within this current MAGA um, GOP saying that we have firearms to defend Trump 
from prosecution for obvious violations of the law. Ring, uh, read the dang indictment. Yeah, so Luke, I will say, I don't think you're being particularly charitable to the rightful governor of Arizona, Carrie Lake. I mean, <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. It, that's the other thing. The GOP almost has a loser fetish. Have you noticed that? Like they elevate these extraordinary losers, Trump himself, you know, not to say that he's not dangerous, not to say that he couldn't win the next election, but Trump's political track record is really not that great. Garbage, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's absolutely preposterous. And yeah, Carrie Lake doesn't deserve the credibility that she's getting from MAGA, even though she's become a right-wing darling. But also, got to be honest with you, and I'm not, I'm not saying, actually, as a matter of fact, I guess I do think the Department of Justice should take what she just said seriously and look at it. As a matter of fact, I would love to see her react to the Department of Justice taking it seriously because – you know, hopefully there there are grounds by which that she gets a knock on the door from the FBI saying, hey, uh, what about what you just said? That was kind of sketch. But I don't think Merrick Garland's particularly troubled personally by Carrie Lake. Um, Not Carrie Lake, but the yeah. audience in which she demands, because this is the exact type of rhetoric that we heard from Trump, that we hear Carrie Lake trying to be a little Trump 2.0 um, in the build up to something like January 6th, where People are told your country's being stolen from you. Sure. This is political persecution. Um, Trump did nothing wrong, but they're going to lock him up. And we, as card-carrying members of the NRA, have to stand in between him and prosecution. That is as dangerous as it gets. And we talked about previously another example of the double standard between the GOP and the Democratic Party. Um, if Whenever there's been situations where a Democrat has said something that's just 13 miles away from maybe being promoting violence, sort of, not really. Like Maxine Waters, Republican or exactly. Democratic Congresswoman Maxine Fox Waters. Fox News loses their mind for days and days and days. And this is, um, and we saw this too with statements made about, it doesn't matter. We've seen this many times. I don't need to get into examples. Yeah. Um, but, because I don't want to get into a debate about whether or not that particular example right. was anything relevant. It's not as big of a deal as something like this. And no one on the right will care. Absolutely. Yeah, we have firearms. And we've heard this before, too, with uh, I can't remember. I think it was Matt Gates said something like big tech is coming for our rights. And that's why we have a Second Amendment or something crazy. Just calling people to violence. And then if they get pressed on that, if she got interviewed and got asked why did you call people to violence she would go oh my gosh so hyperbolic fake news well yeah it's it's so listen just to clarify i i agree with everything you said she herself is i is only the problem in as much that she is a you know, feckless um ideologically like i wouldn't even say she's ideologically driven i th just think she's somebody seeking attention because uh, apparently she had like a a public career prior to this as a, a reporter and didn't demonstrate anything like the insanity she does now <laughs> but her cynicism and the fact that she is riling other people up that's what's dangerous i completely agree with that she herself is nowhere near as intimidating as she wants to pretend she is um so that's why i found it's so funny how she was posturing in that way the truly chilling part was everybody standing up in the audience and applauding, like you said. Right. But I'll also point out with respect to the double standards on violence. So for me, like another good example is, do you remember in 2017, she was not a politician. She was not a an elected representative. She was a wealthy public figure, but still technically a private citizen. Kathy Griffin, the comedian, do you remember when she held up the severed, like a mock severed head of Donald Trump covered in blood? She did a photo shoot for a magazine and Ooh. I don't know if you remember that. Do you remember I do, that? But yeah, that so she, I would not support. No, right. And But that's the point. She was condemned not only by 
Republican voters, Republican politicians, Stephen Colbert, you know, who has a well-known dislike of Donald Trump, which I think is wholly justified. Even he condemned it, said that's that's going entirely too far. It's too divisive. It's too violent in its nature. And when he interviewed her years later, he reprimanded her to her face. And that's Stephen Colbert, who I imagine most conservatives despise for his, you know, liberal views or whatever. But the bottom line is there was unanimity among the right and the left that that was unacceptable. And that was from a citizen, somebody who does not have the power of elected office. Then you have years later after President Biden was elected, you know, Paul Gosar of the Freedom Caucus, a Republican congressman who's so despised that his own family thinks he's deranged and is a threat to civilization. He he commissions this animated video as a campaign ad where he in this animated video decapitates AOC and attacks President Biden with swords. And there was no outrage from the Republicans. None. They did not condemn him. They opposed censoring him, which, by the way, or censuring him, which Democrats didn't want to do initially. They wanted Republicans to punish him and verbally reprimand him, and they wouldn't even do that. The asymmetry is ridiculous. Republicans want the right to be able to threaten Democrats with impunity or to suggest or to strongly, uh, you know, point towards violence. But if if the rhetoric on the other side gets even a little bit spicy, they expect Democrats to condemn it outright, which we very often do. It's just the, the asymmetry and, is infuriating. Yeah. That's a great point to bring up. Often the extremism is way more prevalent on, on the right. But then, importantly, because there's always going to be extremism and calls of violence with how many people are involved in the American political situation on both sides, not in the same positions of power. But I remember a lot of times, or I'll experience a lot of times, people will say when I bring up a situation like this, yeah, well, no one called out the violence that happened during kind of the BLM movement in the summer of 2020. What are you talking about? When there was violence or property damage, every elected Democrat that would get asked about it would Bernie go, well, Sanders, obviously AFC. I denounce the violence and then might include a message about change that is necessary. Always, 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 always. We don't get that on the right. There's no, no denunciations of this will come um, or of the countless other examples, like you said, Paul Gosar and many others. It is wild. While we're on the subject of Carrie Lake, um, she posted, before you throw that up, just let me kind of <laughs> set the stage, a video, a music video, I guess, that was created by a fan of hers or of Trump's, and it's titled, 81 million votes my ass. And what it's saying is, <laughs> Biden, they say he got 81 million votes, but he didn't. Take a look at this, as cringy and detached from reality as it gets. We have to listen to it. We do, don't we? <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, we're preparing myself. If you would have told me two years ago, three years ago, that I would be in the middle of a political movement, I would have said, put down Hunter's crack pipe. Right now. Right now. I can't afford the groceries. I can't afford your gas. It's Biden flashing across the nation. 81 million votes my ass. Hey, 81 million votes my ass. You failed to build back better. Your middle finger, the middle class. They've pissed off an already pissed off woman. 81 million votes my ass. The crime was committed. 
And I'm gonna show you what this reminds me, not yet, but just so you know what's coming. An example of a very similar song that we've gone over in the past that it's too much. But before, what are your thoughts, Josiah, about the the artistic genius of that that song there? <laughs> I don't even know where to I don't even know where to begin. Like Okay. Half maybe everything that they cited in there and that video is like gas prices and every like the idea that that's in the like because I'm such a politics geek, I, I I I'm watching this and I'm thinking, okay, the things that you're insinuating are Biden's fault or not, and so like I'm like nitpicking like the substance of it in terms of the presentation. That was the cringiest, weirdest. I used to think that uh, that Rebecca Black video from back in the day about it's Friday, Friday was like the cringiest music video Friday, I'd ever seen. Friday, right, yeah. exactly. I miss those days. I wish we could go back to that. There's nothing to say as far as this video. It was embarrassing. It was pathetic. And the substance of it right. is absolutely absurd. Exactly. So then to get into that, they go, Biden didn't build back better. What are you talking? I'm so sick of this. Okay, even Democrats fall into this. You can wish he was more progressive and all that, but stop with this complete lack of credit for after everyone blamed him for everything that was economically wrong, not giving him credit for the economic recovery. When you compare the United States' economic recovery after the pandemic downturn that we experienced globally, the United States recovered way more effectively, faster than other developed countries' economies. That Every is other G7 remarkable. nation, you're right. Yes, and when you look at history, economic recoveries, very remarkable the way that the United States economy recovered. Is the president solely responsible for the economy? No. Number one, he got blamed for everything. So now you would have to, if you're consistent, give him credit. And also, um, as we've talked about on the show together, Josiah, he did implement impactful legislation that did have an effect on the economic recovery, the American Rescue Plan, right when he got into office, being a very um, notable example. And so this whole... Everything that was wrong that is obviously, if you're honest and have any understanding of the economy, obviously an effect of the economic downturn, the uh, downturn, the supply chain issues that were caused, the inflation that came from the recovery that had to be done under Trump and Biden, all of that. You just can't honestly say somehow Biden getting into office magically caused those problems that were going to happen that were happening globally to happen but then the recovery that you can actually point to uh some of the credit going to biden they won't give them any for it oh yeah the, the inconsistency is infuriating and it's just profound hypocrisy and as we've discussed republicans just do not care about hypocrisy they actually i think i think there's a sizable chunk of the republican party that delights in their own hypocrisy they <laughs> like the fact that they're constantly you know, forcing the left to chase them down a gazillion, like a warren of rabbit holes and constantly coming up the other side going, L listen, we're, we're just leading you by the nose. We, we're not going to be held to any consistent standards. It would be weakness. We just want to win. But yeah, the American Rescue Plan is a great example. It's the first major piece of legislation that President Biden got passed after his inauguration. That was a strict party vote. Democrats voted for it. Every Republican opposed it. And if you look at the analyses done in terms of the American Rescue Plan, you know, four million jobs just right out the gate. Number one, 13 million jobs, 13 million jobs have been created under President Biden's administration in two and a half years. That's an extraordinary figure. Donald Trump would uh, he would do very much. He would do quite a bit <laughs> for those numbers. He would do absolutely anything. And he never got a taste of numbers like that. Um, four million of those jobs were created a year and it would have taken without the American Rescue Plan. It would have taken four million jobs 
another year and a half to two years for those jobs to enter the market. That's how quickly President Biden was able to accelerate economic recovery. It like lowered uh, or increased GDP growth by like like double it almost doubled uh, GDP growth in that time so much. That was the very first piece of legislation that he did. So if you're going to blame him. If he's some sort of like omnipotent God responsible for the economy, then that means he should get all of the credit if he's going to get all of the blame. So every single good thing about the economy, if you're somebody who blamed Biden for the the economy's problems, then he should get every ounce of credit and Republicans should get nothing, nothing. And then, as I mentioned, what this reminded me of was a, a song I went over in the past that Trump posted, and it's titled, instead of 81 million votes my ass, simple easy to understand trump won which of course he didn't but it's about 2020 take a look No, but see, it is, though. Facts are facts, and that's why you should know that he didn't win. It's so sad. Both those songs, people are going, mm, get it, get it. That's owning the libs. No, it's just sad. It's sad that as every other political movement in American history has, for the most part, at least the politicians that led them, been able to do and accepting they lost when they lost, you haven't been able to. And because of the sensitivity of your dear leader and your ability to uh, or willingness to buy into the lies of that sensitive leader, he couldn't accept he lost. So you started going around with these nonsense conspiracy theories. You've had countless dozens of court cases couldn't prove it you've had recount after recount audit after audit investigation by the cyber ninjas who right-wing groups still couldn't find evidence and that's because there aren't you know facts they did to find, support though? what you're saying you know what they did Biden find, won by more yes. <laughs> they, yeah but joe biden's like thank you cyber ninjas appreciate okay. it coming in in the clinch right no and by the way that line about dominion didn't age well at all did it Mm -mm. I better watch out. <laughs> I know. Fox is like, guys, you might you might want to cut that uh, Dominion line from this music video. It uh, it doesn't. We it love doesn't pay we love out. all the lies except for that one. They'll come for you. <laughs> That's too funny. Well, listen, I know we uh, we talked about the nonsense of Carrie Lake, but as is often the case, when you kind of uncork the bottle of MAGA shenaniganry, uh, you end up <laughs> at the very bottom with Marjorie mm -hmm. Taylor Greene, and we got to talk about her, Luke, because. She, of course, is not reacting to the indictment of former President Donald Trump very well at all. I'm sure it's a surprise mm. to you. Bummer. I'm sure you couldn't have predicted that. Um, but she said some crazy things uh, in, in a recent clip that uh, I want to play for you all, and then uh, Luke and I will unpack it. And it's no coincidence that yesterday, when we walk out of a skiff in the Capitol and bring out the most damning, credible evidence against Joe Biden, impeachable offenses and i'll argue this he should have been hauled out of the white house yesterday in handcuffs
But instead, what was the news cycle last night? That they have indicted President Trump for mishandling classified documents? You should be outraged. This is good, because I'm with you. But let me tell you something. It's going to get worse. It is not going to get better. It's going to get worse because they are going to continue. They don't want you to ever win elections again. They do not want you to ever be able to pick who you want to live in the White House and to run this country or hold any other political office. They don't want you in charge. They want to be in charge. I mean, I guess, yeah, I do want to be in charge, but it's not any anything uh, suspicious going on. We're just going to beat you in elections over and over and over. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what, what that was supposed to mean. I mean, yeah, it's true. We, we do want you to lose. We would we like you to lose. Over and over again. Yeah, we, we would love it if you continue the L streak, right? We want to make all 26 letters in your alphabet L. We want, that's what we want. Um, but this idea that... We are rigging the justice system to do it. Maybe you all should nominate people who aren't criminals. That's a thought. Maybe Republicans should pick a sane statesman. Uh, again, I would still want them to lose if they have conservative policy prescriptions. I, I want Chris Christie to lose. I want Mike Pence to lose. I would want Ron DeSantis, Mitt Romney, whoever it is to lose. Uh, but maybe you could go with a more typical conservative, one who actually believes in conservative values, um, and, and, and things like that, but also is a bit of a statesman. Again, Romney or whoever, they're all rhinos now, though, to the to the MAGA party. But um, That's true. If Mitt Romney ran now against Biden, just based on Biden's polling, you would have a much better shot than a Trump running if the base turned out. But they won it because, like you said, Mitt Romney is a rhino. Um, but she also mentioned Biden should be brought out of the White House in handcuffs. I saw this one bit of Fox News coverage where, you know, all Fox News coverage right now is saying this proves that Biden got bribed and all of that. And then one of their correspondents had to come out and say it was this uh, the form thing she's referring to. And they had to go, oh, it, it didn't prove that. Just to be clear, just f for lawsuit's sake, it didn't actually prove that. Yeah. So so what they're talking about is um, so this is part of uh, James Comer, the the leader of the House Oversight Committee. He's a Republican and he has been pursuing uh, doggedly, uh, President Biden by way of Hunter Biden and the so-called Biden crime family for months. That's all he's been focused about. He cares not a whit about anything else. And every time they say they've got the evidence, the smoking gun, because they tease it up all the time and Fox and Friends and all these things, they never produce the goods to the point where Comer has been repeatedly mocked and called out by members of the Fox propaganda network, Maria Bartiromo, who is no Biden supporter, Fox and Friends, none of them are Biden supporters. They're called out left, right, and center. Like guys, I remember one time Jesse Waters was like, "Where's the bombshells y'all promised?" Yeah, well, 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 they're coming, they're coming. Okay, just just, just give us give, give us more time. And what they have now is there was an FBI report of an FBI agent, excuse me, an FBI source, a credible source, who overheard a conversation in which one person in the conversation made insinuations that then Vice President Biden was involved in some sort of money-making scheme with a foreign country. So I want to be very clear because Republicans will lie to your face about this or they will phrase it ambiguously to let your imagination run wild. It was not a credible source 
who made the allegation. It was a credible source who reported the allegation made by somebody else. Person A said person B made the allegation. That's what it is. And that is a crucial, fundamental, vital difference. And by the way, it was investigated under the Trump administration by then Attorney General yes. Bill Barr, and they did nothing with it. So, of course, MAGA conspiracy theorists will say, well, Luke, that's because Bill Barr and the Trump-led FBI were all out to get Trump, and that's why they didn't do anything about this. Mm. And we will leave it there. <laughs> Thank you all so much for watching and listening to today's show. Josiah, hit them with your info. Listen, Luke, I appreciate the invitation. Luke Beasley fans, I appreciate you all watching. Um, I run a YouTube channel, political commentary channel called Pondering Politics. You can find me at youtube.com slash at Pondering Politics, one word. It's a left-leaning political commentary that likes to call out the Republican Party for what it's become. I'd appreciate a, a like and subscribe, any feedback, and I look forward to doing this again with you soon, Luke. And we'll see you all uh, possibly tomorrow. Just be flexible with me since I'm going to be flying to Miami for the Trump arrest. That might throw things into a little bit of a chaotic moment, but lots of good content coming from that, and I'll try to do as many shows as possible this week. See you then.